here we are. Further episode of Two Guys in the Cloud. Is As this our, lucky number 13? I, I oh, think is it. Is it, it could be. Um, Perfect gosh, for Blair. It is. It is. Number 13. I want to I say, you know, and, and Blair, I appreciate you chiming in there. That's our producer, Blair, that our rock and roll music that comes right before our intro, I'm really Very digging. Strong. So I, I love it. I don't know how cloudy it is, but it's cool. It rocks. I, I, it rocks, yes. So, uh, yes, folks, welcome to Two Guys in the Cloud. We are, are very fortunate to be joined by Brian Patalico from Microsoft, and we're going to have a great conversation regarding uh, today's, what we're going to call today's modern device and its relationship with the cloud. And we'll talk about that relationship in depth today. Um, but I, this is Elliot Barrett. I'm joined with Bob Agno. Mr. Agno. Happy New Year, everyone. And full disclosure, we used to work with Brian. Uh, so it's good to catch up with him and talk uh, talk a little Microsoft devices today. It, it sure is. So, Brian, welcome. Thank you. Now, I'm a little jealous of this rock and roll music. I kind of feel like I need to request my own walk-up song uh, or something, you know. Uh, as long as it's I'll, free, I'll, Brian, you can definitely have whatever you like. <laughs> we don't pay any copyright fees here on... There we go. And I appreciate the disclosure there, uh, Elliot. That was uh, very formal and very much appreciated. And I'm, I'm glad to join you guys. But uh, obviously, we all know each other very well for what feels like decades of work together, although I think it was about five years. So looking forward to uh, to chatting with you guys and joining in on the podcast. It's been great yeah. uh, listening in so far. Yeah, no, I, you know, so true, though, about this dog years, technology years thing, you know, where for <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I, I feel like every year in the technology industry is sort of X number of years in, you know, real life and which is which is pros and cons, too. I mean, you know, I feel like I've gone through lifetimes with people, you know, through all of this. So, yes, indeed, Brian, we've been through a life together, even though yeah, it's, it's very true. And, and um, although I'm, I'm certain it was my young children uh, that are responsible for my gray uh, in my beard. Um, yeah, I think the dog years of the technology industry certainly uh, can play a part uh, in that as well. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, battle wounds and battle scars just right there on the face. Yeah. Well, 2020 gave us all some gray, a little extra, uh, I think. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, not everybody having the same time with you, Brian, what may be good is a little bit of, hey, how did Brian's journey unfold? One of the things that we've done on this thing over time has just sort of gotten everybody to tell us their story in terms of getting into the world of technology. And it's been fascinating. I mean, everybody's yeah. got to know their own thing and want to want to tell us a bit about Brian. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like I need uh, a glass of, you know, scotch and a fireside you know chair or something to, to walk through this. But, um, you know, my background's interesting to say the least. Um, you know, I, I, I started off very young um, in the action sports industry of all places, right? I, I live in Southern California and it was a prevalent industry here. And um, I, I joined a small business, um, you know, early in my career, just jumped into that. It's a passion of mine. And, and I think more than anything, the reason I bring it up is I think it required a lot of entrepreneurial spirit to, to jump into something so small and in such a, I'd say, um, fast-paced industry um and i think it set me up kind of later on um what it did do though is it definitely delayed to some degree my entry into let's call it um corporate america uh for lack of a better way to call it and so you know, i'm proud to say that i ended up having to go back to school uh didn't get my degree until a little bit later in life and and kind of circled around a couple different businesses that i had started on my own and I finally landed in, you know, the technology industry just by happenstance. Um, and and almost immediately, I, I took all that stuff from starting my own businesses and starting businesses with with colleagues, that that kind of that drive, that entrepreneurial drive. And that's honestly the only reason I stayed in the tech space was it required it. It absolutely required it. I mean, I had to move fast. I had to be thinking on my feet, at least in the roles that I was in and the companies I was in. Um, it, it really, you know, I found a lot of joy in that uh, with some more stability. Um, you know, this was back in the time, you know, right around um, right around the recession uh, in 08. 
uh, and and it got you know a little rough there. And so I think having that stability, but still being able to drive and do things on your own and be innovative and all that stuff, that's what really kept me in the industry. Um, I I'd say I'm still relatively entrepreneurial by spirit, and so you know I still get to do that. And then the time we spent together, I thought you know that that definitely came into force. You know when I was uh, spent time with with PCM and then Insight. Uh, and this team, you know, I think we were able to really, you know, drive a lot of great initiatives, really own our own business. It was, it was a startup. I mean, we really were just a startup business. And so that can, that trend continued on. Uh, and Microsoft, you know, the, the great thing about Microsoft so far is that they're the same. You know, they really encourage that that growth mindset, that, that speed, that, that the intelligence factor, as well as, you know, uh, the culture and, and all of that. It's, it's, it's the tech industry for anybody that has that spirit in them, you know, is, is a great place to go. And that's, that's my journey, at least how, how I kind of came to be where I am today. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, look, so at Microsoft then, you know, and that really dovetails into the conversation that we're going to have about, sure. you know, the modern workplace device and devices today, you're focused very much in the space. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah, you know, so I, I joined Microsoft about a year ago now, um, you know, from Insight, and it, it's interesting when I when I first jumped in and and where I still am in today, um, it's focused on device partners, OEM partners, so HP, Lenovo, Dell, Acer, uh, Panasonic, Samsung, all of those those major players, um, and seeing what we can do to position them both in the commercial space and in the retail space. Almost immediately, and this is where where Microsoft and that that entrepreneurial spirit spirit is is so important. Is almost immediately within two months of me joining, we went through a big old you know reorganization, and what it really meant was bringing device partners, and specifically for me, I focus on the Acer relationship in the U.S. as well as Panasonic, and bringing those relationships and those solutions and those ideas closer to the cloud, and you know really you know Microsoft's. You know, initiative and our organization's initiative within Microsoft is to bring devices to market, to sell devices to market that are going to consume Microsoft cloud technologies, right? Now, we'll, we'll dive into all the, the specifics around that, I think, because it's, it's, it's such a unique space um, that's really starting to get more and more focus, right? Mm -hmm. um, people are looking at smart devices now. You know, the the bricks of the laptops of the past don't make sense. Yeah, right? actually, that's a good point. So when we talk about devices, we're talking about laptops primarily. Right. So, you know, just sort of okay. a bit of translation, you know, it big part of the conversation is the laptop and may, yeah. maybe whatever something you can hold in your hand or maybe any combination of the two. But a big part of this is what we would have called the laptop. Yeah, I mean. The edge is probably the easiest, most broad way to 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 talk about this, right? I mean, if you think about every time you go to an ATM machine, right, that's a connected device. You have, you know, tablets in your home. You know, technically, you know, think about your air conditioning, you know, your thermostat in your house, or you know, I've got, you know, uh, assistant, you know, devices everywhere in the house. All those are edge devices, right? So. All of them are consuming something, consuming cloud specifically. And so it's that broad definition. And that's where a lot of these OEM partners are starting to invest in other spaces too. Which makes sense. You know, so yeah. it's sort of, it's partitioning the conversation where maybe it's like, okay, there's the laptop conversation, which I think is maybe yeah. part one. Yeah. And then there's the other devices, which I would have thrown into that whole internet of things conversation, yep. you know, appliances, devices that are, you know, grabbing data in the moment, bringing it over to the cloud, clouds doing what it does, sends yep. it back, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Um, but starting, starting with the laptop, right? Let's just make yeah. that part one of the whole yeah. thing, um, which has been, you know, we've all, we've all been through that evolution, you know, in yeah. the sense that we all like, I mean, gosh, I remember, I, my first computer was what an Apple II Plus or something like that, you know. So, like you know, everybody's everybody's got that starting point, you know, and have gone through the you know the desktops. The very first, I I think the very first laptop I ever saw was my freshman year in college, and I think it was like a Xerox something, and it was really just a word processor, and it was you know it might as well have been a desktop. It was yeah, so big. it weighed forty pounds, I bet. Right. Yeah. Oh, at least at least forty pounds, right? I mean. Oh, and it's it's appreciated of of how you just aged yourself there, Elliot. Um, you know, oh, for I'm, not, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. But <laughs> but yeah, I was know, the by, by the way, you missed 
I had a beard yeah, going. He had a beard. He had a whole Santa theme going earlier. Like I'm glad you weren't on for that. You know, like it was big, and you could see all the gray. Like that was the real deal, right? Yeah, Bob. I, I'd like to I hope, hope that Bob yeah, might had some part in that, in some part in that gray. But you know, it's but it's funny. So I, I have the same recollection. You know, my my first uh, you know experience with computers was in probably mid elementary school and they were green screen apple twos and i think we were playing you know oregon trail um and, and it was great and, and it was funny because even back then there were still early intros to things like coding and things like that so you know the the writing was on the wall and i am shocked and i'm sure you guys are as well to see that progression and and kids today and what they're doing like you know, when I think about Minecraft and I think about just the devices they have access to, it's fantastic. Although terrifying, uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, my that Charlie, my four year old, knows how to use an iPad way better than I do. Um, in fact, she gets frustrated when I don't move fast enough. So these kids now, they're 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 uh, their access to devices is pretty fantastic. I'm yeah. Pretty and now they're and now they're learning virtually. So they have to use this stuff all the time. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, they're going to be masters really, really young. Um, that, so, you know, oh, go ahead. Yeah. That remote thing you just mentioned, I think that's, you know, the, the, the easy way to say it is like we've all been living just in the short period of time. Right. The last let's call it four or five years and that transition, how fast that's been from what I'm going to call unmodern devices to now the priority prioritization of modern devices when i say modern i think thin light fast quick boot ups the stuff you would expect um that real work you know work from home and the remote learning piece has accelerated that so dramatically um, because i think people were still sitting on devices right they were still sitting back on those bricks you know working at home they just had a secondary device a lot of those have people have realized they just they don't cut it anymore uh, and so they've really focused on upgrading them i mean the the transition in the last 12 months has been pretty significant i imagine yeah no and, and actually if you okay so you just mentioned you know sort of what are the factors of the modern device and i think a lot of that translates to the cloud you know in the sense that all right you know if you really kind of pause from those old bricks that we used to have to what we have today, you know, what do we know? We know, okay, the it's way less expensive today than it was back in the day. Back in the day, it was a major investment, you know, to go and get a laptop, right? And so it's less expensive, it's way lighter, you know, and I think the, the I, I guess I think the conversation there is the cloud is doing a whole bunch of work that mm -hmm. the laptop used to have to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, compute power storage, blah, blah, blah. So today, the laptops that, you know, we need, we don't need as much within them to get the same sort of output that we used to before. Yeah. Is that, you know, is that the right conversation? I mean, I think it's a fair point. And I think it's all scenario based too, right? I mean, you're always going to need some compute power, you know, at the edge, right? And it's specifically on your role. When I think of somebody like a graphic designer, right? You know, rendering something, you know, locally versus in the cloud, you know, and there's there's trade-offs. I, I think the biggest thing that I think of when I think of the cloud and its impact downstream onto devices and then flipping that and the devices impact upstream to the cloud, starting with the first one is, you know, over the last five years, and, and we know this because we've we've been focused on it so much when, when we were at Insight together and PCM together, is that people have made and organizations have made significant investments in the cloud. They're consuming it. They have Microsoft 365. They have their backups in Azure. They have compute um, some elements in Azure. They're doing all of these things and made all these investments. But if you're not connecting that, if your users aren't able to leverage that, then you know, I kind of argue with, well, what was the point? It's great to have Microsoft 365. I mean, it's amazing. It's got everything you need, the security pieces, which we can certainly talk about because that's been such a prevalent thing um, in the last, you know, couple of months, but, or for always, but definitely in the last couple of months. Um, you know, if you're trying to leverage that on a device that doesn't have the horsepower, doesn't have the memory for it, doesn't have the best connections, doesn't has old Wi-Fi connections, or you have to hardwire in on a landline. I mean, are you really getting everything out of your other investments? You know, we talk about and Bob, you know, all the time, right? Cloud optimization. 
having modern devices is, is just as important to cloud optimization as anything else. Because if you're not actually getting out of your cloud technologies what you need at the end, was it worth the investment? And I think, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm guessing a lot of businesses are gonna start evaluating, right? You go after, back after a year, you say, hey, did you get the ROI out of this that you need? And you might get some mixed bags that they don't have the right experience. And the device is, I mean, we all interact, we're interacting right now on devices. We're leveraging cloud. I mean, we're, we're talking on Teams right now. All of this is happening, you know, uh, online. This is up in the cloud. In fact, we're all on video. But if we all had old, unmodern devices that were sucking down bandwidth, none of this would work, right? Mm -hmm. well, right, or if we had to go to a office to communicate like this, even with yeah. the, the old hardware, right? Yeah, I, I think mobility, um, if the last year has taught us anything, mobility um, and being able to work remotely, uh, you don't need the infrastructure. You don't need this, the servers at a location and, you know, you can get the bandwidth at home now um, and you're able to work from pretty much any location that has the appropriate amount of, of bandwidth. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, so, Brian, I, I've got a little different question because one of the things for me is the business side. And um, I'll, I'll tell a little story of when I worked at Microsoft. So uh, I was part of the tablet PC launch back in the day. And Microsoft, uh, Elliot's laughing, uh, <laughs> Microsoft basically did that, but the whole purpose was to business, right? Um, they completely ignored the retail market um, when that is, and the tablet PC did not do well at all and sure. was gone in a matter of years. And Apple comes with their basically same thing and they market it to um, the general public and it takes skyrockets, right? Yeah. It absolutely skyrockets off. So I think Microsoft had a real big learning thing on exactly where the market was um, for devices like that, right? And that was obviously a learning curve. Um, and, you know, Microsoft has, uh, you know, done a lot of things that Apple have done and then also have changed it. I saw about six months ago that Microsoft closed um, all of their kind of retail stores, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm really Wait, interested. I did not know that. Yeah. Microsoft closed yeah, that was early, early on, maybe March, April. I think they made the decision to go ahead and close those permanently. Yep. Uh, well, I think there were 83 in the U.S. and they all closed them. Yep. I did not realize that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm just interested in in from the business side, Brian. Um, you know, what is Microsoft, and when they we work with their OEMs now, what where are they looking to do? How are they looking to sell? What is the next gen kind of laptops or mobile devices that we can look forward to? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and, and some of this is going to be my my personal perspective, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll also talk a little bit of, you know, what we're working on. I can speak to what we're working on with Acer and things like that. You know, I would say, you know, with Surface and that brand coming to market, what, you know, we're, I think we're on five or six years, right? I think that was the starting point for the the idea of, you know, Windows is back not just in business, but in consumer. And those two right. things are very, I think, related. And, and in, in the role I've been in, I would say that's become even more clear. And I'll kind of talk about that here too. But, you know, as I, I see all of the innovation that Microsoft's done first party, while also working very closely in partnership and, and making sure that our OEMs are well aware of, of where we want to head and from an OS perspective and all that, you know, I, I think that we are in, you know, one of the most innovative moments for Windows as a whole. The experience of Windows 10, I mean, I think we all agree, right? There's that fun, uh, you know, up and down with Windows since, you know, 93, if you will. So it's, you know, we've all had our Millennium Edition and, you know, Vista experiences and, you know, finally seeing some hope with Windows 7 and all that, right? So it's been a journey. But Windows 10 has been now, I think we're about five years in and the experience continues to improve. I would say, you know, looking at the retail space, right? And what we're doing with key retailers like Best Buy and Amazon um, uh, and Walmart and, and consumers interest in Windows devices 
has gone up. And and some of that is due to this pandemic as well, right? When you think about all the, the elements you need, right? What we're doing now, yep. uh, you know, kids working from home. I, I'll give you a little, uh, a fun story. Um, my wife is a teacher and so she's uh, been teaching remote and then they went back. Uh, we're in California, so it's it's gotten a little uh, hairy here again recently with COVID. And so now she's back working uh, remotely. And it's it's great for me to watch because her school issued her an Apple brand new beautiful apple computer and it's a beautiful looking device it really is and and it works for a lot of the elements that she needs it to work for but she uses her old surface book from about four years ago because the elements of that are so much better than the apple for what she needs it for it has a better camera um, she's able to communicate faster. It's compatible with all the different applications she needs to use. She doesn't have to worry about anything. So she's sitting downstairs right now uh, in her office space um, using two different laptops at the same time, primarily using that PC. And so I think when I think about that and it has Windows 10s and all the investments and elements that, that are going into the experience of the devices, that's just continued to accelerate. Um, so as you know, we're going forward now, you know, you saw like the Surface Duo and the Neo and those things that was foldable devices, split screen devices. I mean, those are the investments and the innovations that I think the OEM partners are going to continue to drive. That's what's going to stay super attractive in the consumer space. And that consumer space is really what drives the experience in business, right? So I hate to say it, but we're all getting older. Gen Z is going to come in here. Gen Z and millennials are going to make up like 75% of the workforce in like four years. It's, you know, something aggressive like that. You know, I can't imagine somebody from those generations sitting down at their desk to go use, you know, let's just say an Apple device and go to flip the screen like it moves and it, it's not even a touch screen. So I think those experiences we're going to continue to drive because they, they've gotten used to them now in their personal lives. It's going to continue over into the business realm as well. Well, I, I mean, I think actually, I think it brings up a good point in the sense that I think prior to, you know, the world we're living in right now, we would think in terms of this is a consumer experience and this is a work experience, you know, that we had partitioned those two off. And I think since, you know, the pandemic where everything's conflated, there is no consumer in work. They're the same experience, the right? Same. My, yep. You know, so you can't mm -hmm. think in terms of consumer versus a work experience. The question is, what's an effective experience for where we, it's a different vernacular. You know, it, it yes. is, you know, what, what is the mobile experience today here? Um, well, and I think you're bringing up the right feature set too, in terms yeah. of the camera and processing the bandwidth and all the things that are today. I mean, we used to do, you know, a handful of video calls. And now I, I really, I would say I joined 75% of my calls uh, with my camera on, mostly just to have some sort of interaction. You know, in the school scenario, they require it, right? right. So having that good camera and all that stuff is is really important. But it's funny because you said the word mobility and mobile, right? And we used to travel daily, right? We were all on planes and back and forth. And so, you know, the idea of using a device that weighed, you know, more than more than a couple of pounds was just like, no, I'm, I'm, that's just one more thing for me to lug through security. And now, Mobility to me is even within my home, right? So can I go and take this laptop and go work out on my patio for a half an hour today? Yeah, right? Because it's it's got all the still same features. It still can connect no problem. The camera sees me in daylight or in this dim office, all of it, right? It, it, that's, you're right. Like it's, it's the vernacular's changed a little bit and in, in that these, these are those fundamental components of the experience that everyone's going to require both in their personal life and then if they're not already requiring it in their business life i would be surprised yeah so let's pivot really quick um it, more of an advanced advanced sort of conversation between devices and cloud mm. and that that i'm thinking about the virtual desktop right so you know for those that may not be tuned into that entirely. It's, you know, in essence, serving up your entire desktop from the cloud and then projecting it on the device. So your device isn't responsible for, you know, that, I guess that that desktop nor the applications within it and the processing of it and the files within it. I mean, it's, it's basically just becoming a dummy station and, yeah. you know, kind of going full circle in a, in a way, right? Yeah. Um, but from my perspective, that's, you know, there's a, there is an absolute use case there that we see pretty often, and I think it's growing. But I don't. I mean, is that something you're seeing more frequently? You know, I, I couldn't say for certain. Um, you know, 
even still being back at Inside NPCM, you know, there were some unique examples that came came to mind. Um, there was a customer, a, a major train operator here in the U.S., right, um, who needed um, people that were constantly moving around the country to be able to just log into any device at any time, right? And in situations like that, I think it's super applicable, right? This idea of of um, of, of folks. Uh, logging in off multiple devices or having multiple users into a single device or a station or anything like that. I see that playing a big part in that. Um, you know, and I think it varies. And I, and I think there's security implications in terms of, you know, how the organization has that set up. Um, if they want to be able to, you know, manage it much more closely, leveraging virtual desktop. Um, yeah, I mean, I think each company is going to have a unique play. The scenario I see is probably that, that, one device being used by multiple users it, it might the first thing that comes sure. to mind for me yeah that um, makes sense yeah it, it's such an interesting thing because i think it it does require sophistication too right and so when you when you talk about that you're probably talking and and you know i'd love you guys perspective but in the enterprise right yeah where where you see that that makes a, a lot more sense where they're managing major device depots and all that um i think that changes a bit more as you get downstream and to the mid-market in the SMB outside of those scenarios where like I can imagine like a retail organization right somebody that's got a point of sale system right logging into that that could be all a virtualized desktop and all that that would make a lot of sense as well yeah and you actually just brought up another thought um and I forget the name of the feature but in essence you know I I have I'll, I'll just use surface you know surface gets sent to me and um I'm a new employee and then I boot it up and then you know, mm -hmm. then Surface is reaching into the cloud, pulling in my profile, mm -hmm. loading up my profile from the cloud. Um, I, I want to make sure you never forget the name of this service because I'm a little disheartened that you've forgotten it. I, Windows, I'm old, man. I old and old, and I forget stuff. I think when you when you shaved your beard, you shaved off some memory or something. Uh, without without question, you have to. <laughs> right? That's um, Windows Autopilot. Windows Autopilot. Windows Autopilot. <laughs> um, you know, it's. It's it's interesting. I've been I've been very passionate about the direction that this could all go for years, right? Um, we've we talked about it at length. We we spun up a couple different opportunities and and you know did everything we could because I think autopilot to me or and to Microsoft as a whole, it's the foundation to you know modern deployment, which ultimately is going to turn into the as a service model, right? which has been in development for years, right? As people have progressed into that. Autopilot's everything. I mean, the experience, great. I mean, a perfect example, I just um, uh, I just had a new laptop uh, shipped to me just a couple of weeks ago. I don't know, within four or five minutes, everything was set up, my apps were down, everything was running, you know, no issues, no sign on. I had to authenticate off my phone, you know, just as a one-time thing and it was perfect. Um, and so that experience that that technology is driving, um, I think is just going to grow leaps and bounds, especially now that it's become more mature. And especially now, again, with the situation we're in, I hate right. to keep coming back to it, but it's it's highlighted so many requirements now for businesses that they probably were ready for, but weren't ready to pull the trigger on. I mean, I think remote works here to stay to some degree, and that'll change by organization, but I think remote work is definitely much more gonna be much more common. That's going to require way better management and experiences of devices. That's going to require, um, you know, IT being able to be creative. And autopilot enables that, you know, greatly. I mean, instead of having to get on the phone for 30 minutes with IT for a new employee and set everything up, and you're sharing a screen and it, the connection drops out and all that, that that's eliminated. I mean, you're just managing profiles, and I, I can talk about autopilot all day. But no, no, but that's it. I mean, that's the point. You know, the point is we live in this very distributed scenario. And back in the day, you know, if you were a new employee, you went to your desk and somebody from IT came over and issued you the laptop or maybe set it up while you were at your desk. Or if you were remote before, to your point, you had to call yeah. in, they had to come in and manage it. You know, and this is, this is, you know, it's funny. It's like the more we talk about, I, I'll use the pandemic, the term pandemic, but this last year, and yes, it has been very hard, but you know, one of the silver linings is that because of how mature we've been with the cloud, it really has enabled our ability to keep pace, you know, and, and that's, this is- that's, that's it right there. I think where we're at now is, 
all those investments in the cloud, all of that money that's been spent by these organizations, you know, ha has already been done, right? Those have been set. And so now it's it's about like, are those uh, uh, Bob or Elliot? Bob's getting a, no, Bob's getting a box. Uh, I, I, Bob's getting yep. a box. Say hello to the FedEx guy. I hope it's wine or, or something fun. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's this idea of those investments starting to, you know, like let's leverage them to their fullest, right? I mean, if, if you have, you know, Microsoft 365, you have everything you need for autopilot. I mean, you're you're done. I mean, you have to have Azure Active Directory. You have to have basically Intune or or some some or, uh, other MDM solution. That's it. And then as long as you're buying modern devices, kind of going back to that, then then your IT department can can use autopilot. And so it's it's just about you know how do you then do autopilot in the right way? Obviously, I'm, I'm I don't mean to make light of the work that needs to be done to do it right, but yeah, I mean it, it, this idea now of you know, sitting at the at the old water cooler for two hours while you know the IT guys at your desktop at your desk, you know, reinstalling drivers is just like, can you imagine? I guess that's the question. Well, can you imagine? Now you're dating. It? Now you're dating yourself. Well, yeah, I try. maybe a little bit. I'm just trying so, to keep up with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I was thinking about you know you were talking about devices being on the edge. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, I'll call it the partner ecosystem. You know, the folks that you, you spend a lot of time with mm -hmm. working their way there. And it occurs to me that, you know, like that that's their reset of their business model in a way, mm -hmm. um, you know, where they're reinvesting their business into the devices on the edge. That's where they see the profit opportunity. Where do you see a lot of that, you know, just specific devices that you're seeing pop up? What does that look like? You know, are you talking about like, um, you know, where do we see these modern devices start to show up or, or, you know, you know, like fast forward six months, is there something that sure. you see in the queue where it's like, yeah, devices that I wouldn't have thought about, you know, that are beginning to that edge development, I think is real. Um, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, you know, that uh, if I, I wish I had a crystal ball. Um, to know all the amazing things that all these different partners are out there doing, you know, I'm, I'm super excited about the idea of these different, you know, kind of foldable devices, mo more mobile secondary devices and things like that. I just think it adds um, a different experience, specifically as we talk about all this mobility. So I'm excited to see that. I think for me, kind of step, stepping back a little bit, where where I get super interested and in, only because I've been so passionate about it for a couple of years is, you know, it's the idea of, you know, I'm going to say device as a service, but I think it goes so far beyond that. Um, but this idea of leveraging all these technologies, leveraging these investments, all these changes, you know, this idea now of saying, hey, I'm just I'm a business. I'm just going to go out and buy, you know you know, $10, $2,000 devices. I, I do think that's valuable and I think that's definitely there and everyone's got their different approach. But I think now what we'll start to see, you know, as it becomes more and more mature is subscribing to it, right? Devices you, and I mean, services. So what do you mean by that just specifically? What, is that, what does that look like from a experience? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the Brian Vitalico, you know, view of this, having spent so much time, you know, building up some some ideas, you know, well, well, uh, in the channel, but you know, I see it actually most likely going to be flattened. And, and what I mean by that is moving beyond this whole concept of SaaS and device as a service, and it and it's going to be flattening together. I'm just going to call it solutions as a service. And so, you know, what I mean is modern devices and experiences, whether that be partnerships with ISVs, Microsoft technologies, all bundled into this device where people can subscribe into that experience or that solution that fits their business need, right? So I'll give you an example of where I see this potentially going, of course, right? And so much has to take place for this to all come to fruition. But, you know, I think of, let's say, I don't know, a mining company, right? They've, they've got a mine out, out somewhere, um, you know, in, in, uh, in the middle of the country, and it's hundreds and hundreds of acres, right? And what they need are various devices for various types of workers. They need them to be able to be deployed in the field. And those devices need to have very specific things installed on them and software to track them, right? 
that's a lot of you know capital expenditure to probably set up something like that, right? Or are you going to work with a partner um, or solution provider or, or build it yourself to where you know these devices you can pay for them, let's say hundred dollars a month a user, so that you can track the device while it's down in the mine on the user. It's got a safety app integrated into it. That's the experiences that I think are going to come you know to market at some point here, right? It's not going to be just oh, I'm leasing a device, you know, for a set amount every month and it happens to have office on it. That's That exists today and that's going to continue to evolve. And I think what, what we're going to get to is more and more of these other partners and software vendors and specialists are going to come in into that kind of more operational expense type of model and start building very specific experiences for types of customers or even within users within a specific company. Yeah, so, and, and yeah, and we've talked, you and I have talked about this at you length. Know, kind of yeah. at length. And, you know, part of this is about a couple of things. One is, you know, the idea of an online marketplace, right? So, you know, sure. you, we've all lived this in our world where customers can go to an online marketplace and, and subscribe to, you know, online solutions like 365. And, you know, that, that, that's relatively straightforward because it's a cloud-based service. And, you know, that's, that makes sense. You know, I'm, I'm subscribing, I'm paying per month per subscription. And then, and then what, we also know is then there's this reality that hardware like a laptop, you know, can, you know, be purchased online as well. We know that too, you know, I can buy a laptop and it can be shipped to me, but what we don't do that way is outside of leasing, you know, make that a subscription based service. And so, yeah. you know, and to your point, if we can create in that marketplace, the ability to build an outcome where I'm like, I'm selecting this device, these subscriptions to be you know preloaded onto that device and get it shipped to this location and i'm only paying on a monthly basis for it yeah. there's there's a level of sort of operational reality there but then then it really becomes a finance conversation which you and i have kind of gone through in the yeah. weeds you know in the sense that that's a little different you know like you can software can be you know, projected as a subscription because of the way it's costed and the way it's, you yeah, know, yeah. you know, but with the hardware, it's different. Right. But I think that as hardware reduces its cost to a certain price point, it becomes much more viable. Like if you look at the, you know, like the surface go, I think as an example, mm -hmm. 350, 360, maybe at a certain cost point, you can, you can begin to see how people could start to take risks there, you know, financially yeah. and yeah. get it out, you know, and amortize it over a period of time. Well, I think I think you know that's such a good point that you make because the finance element of this is 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 it, honestly it's all of it, right? Um, and I, I wanted to go back to that marketplace idea here um, in a, in a second too, but you know I think you're right. I think the the risks are also outweighed with the the value of the device extended for a longer period of time. And so, although devices are changing, what is it? It's Moore's law, right? It's you know every certain period of time, it's getting better and better and faster and faster and processing-wise and all that. But and devices are modernizing, and and you know, would you ever buy a device that existed five years ago? Probably not. But two years, right? There's a secondary market there, and I think that devices are retaining some value, especially if they're well-built, high-quality, more expensive devices on the outset. You know financing them within these bundle concepts for a period of time and then having a secondary market for for those devices you know whether that be you know that that could be in different markets that could be there's a lot of market for that um you know and i think you know the marketplace idea too and and we we obviously you know have been exploring that um you know when i was at insight and pcm but i think also to to challenge to take it even a step further it's going to be, I think, an opportunity for the industry to say, instead of me just choosing, right, because I may not know what to choose, you know, I don't know yet, and I'm, I'm being a little, you know, very forward leaning here, it's this idea of, you know, development to say, we've built this for these types of workers in your environment. So autopilot, right, you can set that up with multiple profiles, imagine being able to say to that customer, because you know them so well, You've done so much research as you've said, I've pre-created these bundles that make sense for your three or four different employee profiles, right? You've got your executive profile. You've got the, you know, the guy that's in the field profile. And there's a different device and experience for each of them with different ISV apps all subscribed in. And you've already done it for them, right? And whether that be just from your customer knowledge or, you know, you know I'm not technical. Well, no, I mean, well, yeah. what, you know, I, re I distinctly remember a conversation around the SMB. 
right? So, you know, like, I mean, there's the different profiles within the company, but then there's SMB, right? So if you gather mm -hmm. enough intelligence in terms of, you know, the multitudes of SMB organizations that come to a portal and subscribe to specific things, you can start to begin to build patterns and yeah. you know, best best profiles, right? And that becomes an offering value. Yeah, my favorite example that I always use, and I don't know why, and it probably speaks to the fact that I probably spend too much time there, is dentist offices, right? <laughs> Now, but it's, I, you know. Sorry, for me, it's Starbucks. So that's well, okay. There you go. Yeah. So dentist offices, right? Very small business, right? They, they own their own practice. They've got five or six office workers, but they've got a lot of different connected machines and other things, right? That require various types of security or, you know, so you can imagine where you go in with, you know, a, a predetermined, to your point, a best practice medical office, you know, offering that, includes you know the latest isv software to manage their patients and scheduling and that's five dollars a month within that bundle the the endpoint device the tablet so that they can log you know check people in outside because they're not allowed to come in the dentist's office without a mask on you know all these different experiences that i think you know as 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 providers and solution providers we can start thinking more i guess narrow on these types of customers to really dive into what do they need you know, and they may just not know it yet. I mean, I've, I went to a dentist office because again, I go there all the time. Why? I don't know. And uh, I, I, it was an endodontist and, and I had to fill in some information and I swear it was on a Windows XP machine that was three inches thick that was connected to the internet. And I put in my social security number mm. and I had a tremendous amount of stress in doing so. And immediately then told the front desk, you know, person to say, you know, that machine hasn't been supported in like a decade. Um, and that if anybody wants to hack in and get all of your medical records, this is the point right here. And so, you know, those are just, that's where, you know, the experience could say, I've got a bundled device that's secure for your, you know, patient interaction front office. You know, that, I think that's where it could go. When I, when I say solution as a service, that's what I mean. It's predetermining and defining it based on your experience of selling to hundreds and thousands of other customers just like them. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are really boring examples you gave. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and mining company and dentist office are the two examples. I, I, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm at the edge edge of my seat, man. Well, I tapped um, into my other background, which is you know when I tried to go through and, and become a firefighter, I've got lots of ideas of what yeah. what technology you, provide. Your there. background's in adventure sports, and you went right to dentist office and, and mining companies. Yeah, well, that's awesome, man. It's, um, it's, so let's talk about the fun stuff. What is your partners, you know, developing outside of laptops, right? I don't think any of us thought that our doorbell would be connected um, and have a camera in it, right? What what is what is some of the new stuff that is in development or that your your partners are thinking about, you know, throwing a, a Microsoft OS into and seeing, uh, you know, uh, you've obviously are working with two big uh, companies that are both in the enterprise space and the retail space or consumer space. So, yeah. what what is uh what are they working on? You know, um, great question. Um, and I, I get the sense of a little digging that I probably won't be able to go into to too too much. Um, but you know, I kind of alluded to it before. I, I think it's it's maximizing the experiences on Windows. One thing that was interesting, and I don't think it's actually here in the U.S. But Acer um, actually had created, uh, th this is really out there, um, but some digital rosary beads, you know, and like, like a click to pray. And, and it consumed Azure, you know, and, it, and it's, it's funny things like that where, where, you know, there's elements embedded in it and, you know, different, you know, things that are required on the back end of like Windows and how it connects up. And I, I certainly don't know, you know. And so, so far, what I've seen has actually probably been more focused on just continuing to maximize the the devices that are in the market today. Um, I mean, there's definitely, you know, going to be some some really interesting stuff around Windows coming up, I would say, in the next, you know, 12, 18 months um, that I think um, will will start to, um, you know, see different devices and types of devices. I mean, you're already seeing it with that Surface device that came out, right? I mean, those are though I think Surface is a great place to look to, to where the Windows, you know, momentum is starting to go. Um, you know, when I think of like Panasonic, 
you know, it's it's that tough book line, right? Just those connected, a lot of connected devices and unique experiences. I think they were installing some on some some submarines lately down in the Caribbean. I mean, all of these different things. And I think what it is is that they're they're finally realizing that the power of Windows and the connectivity of Windows and all the other stuff is allowing them to go into different places, right? So it's taking the devices that they've made so many good changes and investments on and finding the best places for them to start to land. So submarines apparently is big, one of those places. Big market. So in terms of uh, 5G, uh, we had a really fascinating conversation here around 5G and just the implications of it. Are, are you seeing that as part of the conversation in terms of, hey, we have to build this sort of feature set here to support that kind of future? Yeah, I mean, I don't, um, you know, not being a technical person and, 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 and at all, right? So if I think about it from a marketing and a business and a strategy perspective, right, which, which is more in my realm, I mean, I think it just is the continuation of this, of the same conversation, right? It's, it's, you are eliminating roadblocks, continuously eliminating roadblocks along the way, right? So if the roadblock before was you were tied to the desk, right? Because we only had desktops, that roadblock was eliminated with the laptop, right? As the laptop became thinner and lighter, it eliminated the need to leave it at home when you traveled, right? 5G, right, is just now gonna be eliminating any sort of latency problems, any sort of bandwidth issues for for anything that we're doing. I mean, the most unique thing I saw a demo on was uh, uh, the ability to do remote surgery because the connectivity was so instantaneous. Right. That you're talking about such a finite skill, right? Being able to done, be done, you know, from uh, the opposite side of the world. I think that's what it opens up. Now, how that relates into, you know, devices and, and all these things, I think what we'll find, at least again, per my personal perspective is those last bits of technology like that were that required that hard wire in like I think of like an ATM machine or something like that right something that's probably hired wired into the background you know it's an old device it's very not not very secure I, I think something like 5g allows maybe a different experience on something like you know uh, maybe ATM is not a great example but this idea of a device that couldn't exist before couldn't exist in the experience because the connectivity was so required. It had to be literally plugged into the, the router to work before. That's gonna be gone. And you know, I honestly don't know exactly everything that's gonna open up from that. Bob, I'll give you something you know more exciting here. From, from yeah, please. <laughs> ATMs and dentist offices, I'm, I'm shocked. All right, so I didn't talk about this in my background, uh, but at one point I, I, I went through a fire academy and I was trying to be a firefighter. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the recession was going on and that's a whole other thing. But, you know, I think about the technology that can impact public safety, right? right. And, you know, I imagine a scenario with, you know, uh, you know, rigs or cars showing up on site, you know, being able to have schematics of buildings in real time sensors and, and tracking on police officers. I mean, a body cam for a police officer, which are, are just so necessary in, in the environment that we're in now, you know, now imagine geolocation and location tracking and very small, you know, within a building exactly where they are. And 5G enables that without any latency. So not only does it keep the safety for like the firefighters and the police officers and things like that who are going into a scenario, but if you've preloaded and used use something like, you know, I think it's called the Azure Twin for, you know, like architecture and things like that, load that into an application, have real-time tracking of where they are because it's all 5G enabled and it's so fast. The captain or the or, or the the commanding officer is sitting in the rig. He knows exactly where his teams are deployed. They have heat sensing. They can see where the fire is. They know where, you know, think about that. Kind of experience where before it would glit you can't have a you can't do that right you can't have right. a firefighter about to turn a corner to hit a fire and be told that it's not actually there because there was that 20 second lag i mean so those are the scenarios that building devices and experiences again that take advantage of stuff like that that could be interesting right and and i couldn't say 5g for sure enables it because i just don't know enough um, but I think that's where that idea of removing gaps and roadblocks, those are industries that it could have a big impact on. Yeah. 
really good one. I, I can see that too. Is that, that a sense. better, more exciting? Yeah, it is more exciting. Yes, yeah, thank yeah. you. That Went was a nice, the, nice the, example. Dentist chair to a burning building. I mean, that's that's, that's good. Right. I thought you might mention grave digger or something next. I had no idea. <laughs> well, you know, here you go, though. You know, like, <laughs> I got an idea for that. Yeah, I, I got, got an idea. Well, but you know, think about the experience with sports, right? I mean, I, I, I and I know there are some new stadiums now where where I know PCM had done some work to install, you know, such uh, you know intense uh, networking capabilities, but you know, the experience with sports and all these different things where, especially now, I mean, I know Elliot, you, you've, you've probably joined some Laker games, I think with your, you know, Oculus on and things like that. But, you know, when you're in stadiums or you're sitting outside the stadiums, like what's the experience like? You don't want a gap in any of that. Like, you know, he's going up for a three and then it spots out for a second or you're 20 seconds behind. I remember clearly sitting in the parking lot of Angel Stadium in 2002 when they won the World Series, and the crowd cheered, and then 20 seconds later, I saw it on the giant TV that we had put in the back of the truck, sitting in the parking lot tailgating. So, you know, how do you smash that together? And does 5G enable that kind of stuff? So there's another For exciting- sure it does. And, and you're missing a big market there for sports is uh, in-game betting. Right. Because that is going to be huge from a connected standpoint for uh, fans in the stadium and being able to place a bet right there. Right. I mean, it, it makes no sense, even when you're in Vegas, that you have to go to the window to place a bet. I mean, that that's just ridiculous. Yeah. You're going to yeah. be able to do it anywhere. Yeah. Now, you know, to take that full circle back to the first part of our conversation. Right. Like. It's great that the technology exists, but not if it's not integrated and built into the devices and the infrastructure that you've made your investments in. That's right. right. So, right. you know, it's it's this idea of when you ask about what's coming, what's new, you know, there will be some form factor things that we've already seen, but it's, it's stuff like that, right? It's to say, you know, it, it's just going to become at some point a requirement, right, for those devices to have that impact. And so that that's the stuff that we'll probably start to see. Yeah. Perfect. Good stuff. Well, I think we got to wrap it up. I think we're at our hour. So I'm going to leave you, Brian, with uh, a billion-dollar idea that you can take to your leadership team. Okay, you ready? An Xbox gaming PC. It needs to happen. I don't know why there isn't one already. Uh, And that's easily a billion dollars. I know it would take away for some of the devices um, or some of the consoles. I get it. But you know, come on, it's, it's too well, easy. That's low hanging fruit, right there. Oh, well, here I've got a I've got an answer for you. All right, okay? it's not an Xbox PC, um, but I mean, I know Acer as a as a one of, as one of my partners has amazing gaming devices. We're talking the highest end specs. The things are just awesome. They look cool. But everything comes with Game Pass now, right? A subscription. You can there you go. Yep, you can subscribe right. and play Xbox games on any PC with Xbox Game Pass. So it's not quite your Xbox PC that you wanted, but it does bring the Xbox experience right into your Windows 10 PC. So I, I think that's uh, that's the best I could do for you. So, no, you know, that's all right. When it comes out, I'm just going to ask for 10%. That's it. I, oh, I was going to say, I think I just solved your problem, and I'll take <laughs> my 10%. I, it's pretty uh, good. It's pretty, not bad. It's, it's a step in the right direction. Sure. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. Yes, thank you, Brian. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, we'll talk.